0: decidedly dry. I'm your host, Jess Steitzer. This is a sober podcast where we actually focus on the good. Amazing, right? We spark inspiration. We try to provide some hope and we help motivate you. I promise to always keep it real, provide some dry humor and remind you every single episode why sobriety is truly a superpower. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, just head on over to DecidedlyDry.com. Thank you so much for pushing play today. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody. This is the part where I accidentally introduce myself like three times in the first four minutes of the show. (laughs) I am still very new to this, and I appreciate you being patient with me. Before we get to my guest, I would like to just pause for a minute and send out a huge, huge thank you to the following people that have donated to the podcast. Susan, Julie, Allison, Wendy, and Jen, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for supporting the show. It is no secret that podcasting takes a lot of time and dedication this woman, one-woman team, part-time librarian, and full-time mama is determined to continue delivering inspiring, authentic, and relatable content. I'm not going anywhere. So if you'd like to buy me a cup of coffee or simply donate to keep this project a-rolling, I'd appreciate it more than you know. All right, let's get to the good stuff. My guest today is Heather. Heather is better known in the Insta world as Ditched the Drink, and she is fabulous. Like most of our episodes here, you'll get to hear her story, how she removed alcohol, and all the amazing things she's achieving in this new chapter. Enjoy, Heather. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is Jess with Decidedly Dry, and today it is my honor to introduce you to Heather with Ditched the Drink. Hi, Heather. Woohoo. Hi, Jazz. Thanks for having me. Oh, my gosh. I already love you because you threw out a woohoo. That is like my thing. It's
1: <laughs> <laughs> Friday, right? It's afternoon. I I yeah, we're decidedly it. dry.
0: We ditched the drink. It's all good. All the D's, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you in advance for being here. I am selfishly so excited to talk to you because we have been connected for, oh, my gosh. I mean, probably a couple of years. Mm-hmm. On Instagram and just interacting and um, cheering each other on, so it is such a pleasure to have you here and have you share some of your story. So thank you in advance.
1: Thank you so much. I'm totally honored. Um, as I mentioned, I was honored to be part of your journal, like to even be included. I'm just this like mom, someone who lives in Chicago, who is from Wisconsin, who quit drinking, and to have someone ask, like, can I include you in something? It was really an honor. And again, today, I mean, anytime I can shout the good life of sobriety from the rooftops, I'm happy to do so. If I can inspire anybody who's there struggling or questioning or confused and insecure and turned around like I was, um, I didn't have any sober role models in my life. I didn't know what a life of sobriety looked like. And if I thought of it, I would imagine it was a sad life of deprivation Mm -hmm. and a boring life and a very just somber. I thought sober and somber were the same words and I didn't want that. Um, and I've come to find it's nothing like that. So if I can be (laughs) one of those people and you can be one of those people that show people what it really is, um, I'm always happy to do that.
0: Ain't that the truth? I know. I mean, I mean, luckily we are in this time where I feel like people are sharing their story. And this whole sober, curious movement is totally a thing. But um, I feel like it wasn't as big as it is now when we got started, too. So yeah, I would love let's start with your story. That's a great little uh, bridge into your story. When did you get sober and
1: tell us about yourself? Like, let's get to know Heather. Yes, sure. Thank you. Um, Oh, enough about me. What do you think about me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. When do you get the speech to actually talk about yourself? That's so cool. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, I'll try to keep it short. I was raised in a small town in Wisconsin. Um, I had my first drink when I was 12 years old and I slammed a beer and you know, thought I was wasted. And by 14, by high school, I was drinking pretty regularly in barns and fields and trucks. It was very, very much the norm where I come from. Um, the cops would come and we'd run into the cornfields and, you know, the cops would leave and then we'd all come back out. <laughs> so okay. that was just like par for the course. I went to college and I had a PKD and I went to clubs and I was a party girl. I was extroverted. I loved my friends. I loved going out. Um, alcohol gave me the courage to talk to boys. It, it was so fun. I thought it gave me something to do. I met my husband in a bar. My parents met in a beer tent. So it just Wisconsin drinking culture, you know, yeah. um, let's see after college, my husband and I moved to Chicago. Um, he loved the bears, Chicago bears. And I loved Oprah at the time. So it seemed like a natural <laughs> fit for us. I mean, that's how we made decisions. Right. <laughs> <And> right. So, <laughs> so we were in this like young urban professional culture where we were in a bigger city, Uh, We had access to live music and sporting events and happy hours. And we worked for the same company, a big company, and they hired a lot of new college grads. So we, it was kind of like an extension of college. There was a bunch of people our age, um, and we all became friends and went out to happy hour and did a lot of fun stuff like that. So we got married, we had kids. Um, I never drank during my pregnancies and then having kids, I have two daughters and they're teenagers now, but having kids was like, my social life took a screeching halt. And I took a step back from my job and worked part-time and my husband traveled a lot for work. So he was kind of moving up in his career. I was working part-time and home alone a lot with young children and kind of isolating, kind of bored. And the bedtime bath time routine, um, you know, you talk to the sober mom squad.
0: Yeah, it was a lot.
1: So I would, I would drink wine to take the edge off that and wine felt European. It felt class mm. classier than the beer I drank in Wisconsin. Totally. It wasn't like party <laughs> culture. You know, it was like slowly slipping through the evening just to take, a, just to entertain myself maybe, or take the edge off, you know, that bad bath time, bedtime mm-hmm. stuff with a husband that was gone. And then if I could go out after work for happy hours, I mean, calling that work a work event, Mm -hmm. but really it was a chance for me to escape that motherhood and that responsibility in that life. So I loved to do that too. Mm -hmm. And my drinking was really escalating. My dependence was escalating. Um, And then it was, I was switching jobs. I ended up when my youngest went to kindergarten, I took a really big job, full-time downtown, very inflexible for a working mom. And Um, I was a director, I had a team that reported to me and I was like one of the only female directors. Mm. And the first thing we did, um, was go on a retreat together. We were a group of new directors. And I remember all the guys, my peers, their goal was to have their wife be a stay at home mom. Mm. And I was there thinking I am the stay at home mom. Yeah. I'm the stay at home mom and I'm in the same job as you now. Yeah. So it was just interesting. And we were in sales and drinking was a lot part of the job. I mean, Mm -hmm. we showed up to that retreat, hungover, all of us in all honesty. And we drank, I mean, we were fed everything we wanted to drink. Mm -hmm. We drank it all Friday night. That was supposed to be our supply for the whole weekend. (laughs) And gosh, um, yeah, I mean, in sales, I, and then I, so I left that job, got another job, left that job, got another job. In the meantime, um, my dad passed away and I had two dear friends pass away, both guys that were my age that died completely unexpectedly and out of order. And I was asked to do all three eulogies. So within a span of three years, I had a couple different jobs that I was unhappy with. I had broken my leg, slipped and fallen in the ice in Chicago, broke my leg, um, had all these losses. Mm -hmm. And alcohol, I just went to alcohol for my grief, um, so much pain and so much grief. And I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to cope with it. And so then my drinking turned more messy. Mm -hmm. I was alone, drinking more alone, drinking more. Like I said, one bottle of wine used to be enough. Then it was two. Then sometimes that wasn't even enough. Right. And it was every single day without a break. I mean, if I could have one day without alcohol, I thought, congratulations to me. Yeah. So, so it was really escalating. And then people were starting to notice. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I became um, a walking blackout. I went, my anxiety was an all time high. I was incredibly depressed. I went to talk to a therapist. I told her I had a problem drinking. She said, no, you don't. Because um, Mm -hmm. like, I wasn't driving my kids while drinking. I wasn't hurting my kids physically or with words or anything like that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, So she didn't really see a problem with it. And she suggested harm reduction. And in her mind, harm reduction was, um, the biggest problem was if the kids were witnessing. So to hide from the kids, literally to drink in my closet, which was a big bonus room, like to not let the kids see me drink. Oh no. And that felt like not the right advice when I was telling her, yes, I do have a problem. But anyways, I was thrilled because I could keep drinking. (laughs) I had permission in a green light to keep drinking. And then I was on these anti-anxiety meds and it turned me into a walking blackout you know, I would not even drink much and I would be sloppy in front Mm -hmm. of my family and friends, which was really embarrassing. Hmm. So after a series of experiments for three years, I did on-off sober experiments. Mm -hmm. My first one, I tried to go for a hundred days alcohol-free and I made it to 70. I thought that was pretty good. I was cured and went back to drinking. Of course. Um, One time I went five months alcohol-free And then we were in a, um, my husband's company had flown us to Mexico as like a reward trip. Mm -hmm. And we were offered a welcome drink with or without tequila. And I requested one without tequila and I tasted it and it absolutely had tequila in it. And I was like, put this down and walk away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it lit just that one taste accidental taste lit me up. I Absolutely loved it. I downed the whole thing. I went to the bar. I ordered the same cilantro lime margarita that everybody was ordering. I was so relieved to be drinking that I didn't have to stay sober during this trip. Right, right. (laughs) And then red wine every evening. And then I was never going to bring that home. That was just this one-off out-of-the-country thing. And of course, I probably got home on a Sunday, and probably by that Thursday, I was back in the routine of stopping for wine. And you know, you know the you know the ending of that story. So. It was in February of 2018 where I was done. Mm -hmm. I couldn't, I was unemployed. I was miserable. My husband was not happy with me.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Like it was affecting my kids. I was completely lost. I thought it might not be alcohol. I really didn't want to blame my wine for my problems Mm -hmm. because I loved my wine. But I couldn't help but think letting it go might, it wasn't helping me and letting it Mm -hmm. go could lead to some happiness. If not, at least wouldn't be blaming the wine, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so even when I started, it maybe was like a, to prove everybody wrong, you -hmm. know, that everything else was wrong or everybody else was wrong. It definitely wasn't me and me drinking, um, but there's a piece of me that knew. Anyway, so I was sad. I cried. I mean, I told my friend, my party friends, I'm so sorry. I'm quitting drinking. I'm so sorry. It was like this very sad day of letting this go. And then I didn't know if I was going to be successful at it. Of course, I had failed a million times. Um, But day by day, one by one, one foot in front of the other. And here I am. Thank God. Living a completely awakened life. (laughs) Oh my gosh.
0: I always joke that I need to take notes because I get to the end of the story and I'm just blown away because there's so much, I mean, oh, the, I relate to so much other. I'm going to say it again, but you know, the switching from beer to wine, it's, it seems classy. It's sophisticated. Mm -hmm. Now we're moms. That's what we're supposed to do. Right? Like that was my story. Like, well, that's what everybody else is doing. It's It's beautiful. (laughs) Like there's nothing wrong with this. Um, the, the, did you say it was a therapist or doctor that said it was okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm just cringing because, you know, now that we are where we are, you look at that advice and you're going, no, 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 (laughs) no. Like, because Mm -hmm. for us at the time, when we get that green light, like, oh, you're okay. You can keep drinking. It is such a relief Mm -hmm. because that's one less thing that we have to work on. But I mean, when you listed all the different things you were going through, I mean, that's a lot not drinking.
1: Right, right. I mean,
0: that loss and working and being a mom and all the things. I mean, Mm -hmm. that is a lot to process. And it's no wonder we were constantly trying to find ways to escape in those situations. You know, how do I numb this? I don't want to feel this. I'm done feeling sad. And we are trained
1: to believe that alcohol help with that. Right, right. And looking back to us, I hadn't learned any ways to cope.
0: Mm
1: I had been drinking since I was 14. That's all we know. That's when my, it was at a pivotal brain development time for me. And I drank that time away. I didn't know any better. I Mm -hmm. mean, I was a child. I didn't know any better. And if I went to a party where there was upperclassmen and I Mm -hmm. felt discomfort, I drank. I drank. I never let myself feel discomfort. So I right. had never learned to cope. I had never made those brain connections Mm-mm. to even have anything to rely on besides alcohol.
0: And that's what we relied on. You just nailed it. You know, I mean, that's our go to thing. If we're celebrating, we drink. If we're sad, we're drinking.
1: Mm-hmm. If we
0: need a break, if we're stressed, I mean, for some reason, unfortunately, that's kind of I feel like how I don't want to say we were raised, but that was what was familiar, you know. That's what yeah. we saw others doing and we just we didn't know that there were other options. Mhm. And now yeah, there's this
1: like um dichotomy maybe of we suggest I mean it's suggested everywhere to drink mm-hmm. for everything, right? Like have a bad day, drink and have a good day, celebrate, mm-hmm. drink when it's a snow day and drink when it's a sunny day, too. Yeah. Um again, no, but don't drink too much. Don't be a problem. Don't show, no. don't let alcohol overcome you or anything. Don't be one of those people. Don't let your kids see you and don't quit drinking. Yeah. For God's sakes. Don't quit drinking, drink right. less, be less. less noticeable when you're drinking, control it better. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, the problem is not alcohol. The problem is you and you're definitely supposed to drink you're just not supposed to show it. You're not supposed to show any effects from drinking and mm. for God's sakes, don't quit. I mean, that is the message that I got.
0: No, quitting it's is- always moderation. Oh, well, yeah. In
1: moderation, you can have some, right. you can have a glass, but right. what if you can't? Cut back. just cut back or take a break for a minute, you know, or maybe drink less. <laughs>
0: yes. Okay. <laughs> so-, so you decided it wasn't working. Something had to change. Did you do a program? Did you, no. how, what, what was your route?
1: So, um, I, so I had had some experience because I had had some success and I will say for anyone who's on this bumpy path, um, trying to quit drinking and then drinking again, isn't a failure at all.
0: Mm-mm.
1: That is uh, you keep trying and that's you learning and that's you getting curious about yourself. So I had laid the foundation in all those sober experiments. I also shamed myself for drinking again, when the truth is to never drink again was never my goal. And I see that with my clients all the time. Mm. They come to me, they've tried stuff. It hasn't worked. And they're already in this hole of shame when I'm like, wait, was your goal to quit drinking for the rest of your life? No. And I'm like, but now you're mad at yourself that you hadn't done, haven't done that yet. <laughs> well, right. yeah. You know, or like you did dry January. How'd you do? I, I stayed alcohol free. Fantastic. But then I started right. drinking again. Well, was your goal to not drink again? No. But now you're mad at yourself that you did like what's going on. (laughs) So, so, you know, I had, I had to say when I did my first sober experiment, it was hard included in that was like a girlfriend's trip to LA for a 40th birthday where I didn't drink and airplane rides, not drinking Mm -hmm. and, um, certain events and just life, uh, work events and networking events and all the things. And it was hard and it was itchy and it was uncomfortable. But I was proud of myself, like when my head hit the pillow at night, I felt at one with me again. So Mm -hmm. I started to form a relationship with myself that I had never had because I had always ignored myself. I think the main reason I drank was to not listen to myself, to not hear my own voice in my head. And I have a very loud inner critic. Most of us probably do. So to dial that down, to pour alcohol on that and uh, kind of fuzz that noise was probably the main reason why I drank. And when I removed alcohol, even for shorter periods of time, I started to get to know myself a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I started to show up for myself. I started to trust myself. I started to keep my promises and that felt good. Mm-hmm. That felt really good. So um, I relied on that. I had had a little bit of experience knowing how good that felt, that at least I was at one with me. At least my head was sitting the pillow at night, feeling proud and waking up feeling not hungover. And that, I mean, for anyone who lived on anxiety, I mean, I was hot and shaky, full of shame and guilt every day of my life almost. Mm -hmm. So the absence of that was huge. So there was definitely some beautiful silver linings to this, even though it was sad and hard and a change of identity. I mean, I really had no idea. My husband and I, like I said, met in a bar. I had no idea. He knew our whole life was going to change. I didn't. But what I did differently was I had a friend that quit with me. And I surrendered and told my husband, I needed help. Those were Mm -hmm. things I hadn't done in the past. I admitted, I think I, this is a problem and I I need your help. And I asked him to not drink around me at first, just at first, while I started to get my sea legs, you know, Mm -hmm. and he continues to not drink around me and I love it. It's Mm -hmm. awesome. It's better for both of us and he can make his own decisions. He can do whatever he wants, but he loves it too. So it's, it's really cool that both of us party animals are now you know, basically sober together. So, That's amazing. um, and our family is, so it's really nice to raise our kids in that way. Yeah. I didn't do a program. I was turned off by the thought of AA. That wasn't going to be it for me. I utilized resources like podcasts. I listened to the home podcast. Um, I walked a track while my daughter was practicing volleyball and that made me feel like I was like had friends. I felt like I was Mm -hmm. on the phone with girlfriends, even though I had never met Laura or Holly. They were total pioneers for me at the time. Belle thinking about drinking. She was a great resource. Her emails were everything. I started to feel like there's other people like me that have this drink now voice in their head and I'm not crazy. Um, And yeah, just having a friend to go out Mm -hmm. for ice cream with or who I could call and say, today's really hard. Or, it really sucks. Or I'm b- about biting my arm off because mm-hmm. I can't drink today. And I, yeah. I want to stop, at, I want to stop and get wine tonight. I think I'm gonna, mm-hmm. w- what do you think? <laughs> you know, right, right. I mean, the person saying my family's driving me crazy. I've already walked around blackball crimes and they're still driving me crazy. Now what? You know what I mean? The podcast <laughs> mean? is over. Like, what do I <laughs> <Right>? do? <laughs> like, now I don't know what to do. <laughs> I spent Saturday nights at the gym. How sad and lonely at the time. It was like, I don't have anything to do with my sad sober self. Uh So, um, well, I
0: love what you said because you, I want to echo what you said. If you have tried it and you go back to drinking, you are not a failure. This is feedback. What can you do differently? If you want to be sober, if you want to give it another go, what do you do differently? And like Mm -hmm. you said, you did two things that you hadn't done before, you know, Mm -hmm. and that worked for you. And that's what I always tell people. I'm like, well, Okay. So you slipped up. What can you learn? What can right. you do differently this time? That might be the piece you were missing or that
1: final puzzle. It's piece? Always more support. It's mm-hmm. always more support. That is the answer hundred percent of the time. If you always. are struggling and you haven't gotten there yet, keep doing what's working. I mean, that's the other thing, even with my coaching support, it's like, I think I'm, I'm I don't have to make our call today because I'm doing good or whatever. It's like, <laughs> if it's working, keep doing it. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean stop doing it. It means it's yep. working because you're doing it. So keep doing it. And then add more, you know, so it's the podcast plus a book. It's a podcast, a book and a coach, a podcast, a book and a friend A podcast, a book, a walk and a, you know, you just keep adding it, adding it in. And that's always the answer. The other thing that I think is terrifying for people and was for me is we want to quit drinking, but we don't want to change our life. We want to quit drinking, but we want everything else to stay the same. And if you are a drinker, like you were a drinker and I was a drinker and the people Mm -hmm. listening to this are probably drinkers. The truth is you have to prioritize sobriety. And in the beginning, that seems impossible because it makes other people uncomfortable because you don't want to be a shut in. You don't want right. to be a bored shut in, but right. it's temporary and your sober muscle grows with time and you start to w- want to prioritize your sobriety. Right. That starts to be the pillar of how you live your life in the most beautiful and best way. It's an automatic organization and priority list for you but we're not used to doing that. So in the beginning it's hard and we almost feel resentful to Mm -hmm. have to do that. And we don't want to do that. But if you do that and you get some alcohol-free time under your belt, your brain has a chance to rewire for different rewards and for resilience and for coping. And you start to welcome this new awakened life that you get to live.
0: Right, right. And that's such a good reminder because I mean, we're scared to do it, number one, because it's hard. (laughs) We don't like to be uncomfortable and we don't like doing hard things all the time. And this is a very hard thing. Mm -hmm. And we are scared. Like you said, that I don't want to be the boring friend. Like Mm -hmm. what if they don't call me anymore? They're not going to invite me out. And to be quite honest, like as much as I want to be invited to everything and then I end up not really going, but (laughs) that Mm -hmm. first, you know, year it's okay to say, no, Mm -hmm. I encourage them to say, no, I'm like, if you are going to feel tempted, like don't put yourself in that position, you know, be the boring friend for a little bit, but if they're true friends, they'll understand and it'll be all right. You
1: know? And the truth is you might have been drinking because you weren't comfortable yourself in those situations. Mm-hmm. And so n- when you're sober, you don't have to put yourself in situations. You don't have to drink to tolerate situations because you don't go into those situations mm-hmm. that you don't want. Right. Yeah.
0: I don't know if you relate, but I really kind of found out what I do and don't like to do. <laughs> you know, I found out who I like hanging out with, who brings me joy, who am I getting together with, you know, just to drink and gossip. Like, is that bringing joy into my life or would it be better if I just met for coffee and went for a walk? You know, like mm-hmm. you really start it's to prioritize.
1: Yeah. It's a attract or repel situation for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. If, you're,
1: if you say I'm not drinking or I'm not drinking right now, or I'm limiting my alcohol intake, mm-hmm. um, you will repel the people that aren't for you. Right. And you will definitely totally. attract the people that are. And the most important thing that happens that to what happened to me, which happens to, um, everybody I know is you get a relationship with yourself that you never had. So suddenly mm-hmm. gripping to these friendships, gripping to these relationships is less important because you develop and cultivate a relationship with self. So right. you're okay with people and you're okay without people and you are able to determine your own, how to live your own meaningful life of purpose and yeah. prioritize the things that you value. I love better. being by myself.
0: <laughs> like, isn't it fun? I mean, like I honestly, date though, myself a
1: couple times a week. Yeah, I know yeah. it's
0: good and it's healthy and it's not weird. You know, I think that is such a gift to get to a point where you can be with yourself. You know, oh my gosh,
1: but just as a drinker, I could never sit with myself. I couldn't sit still, I couldn't sit with myself. I was so antsy, I was jumping out of my skin, Mm -hmm. and I did not want to hear what I had to say. I mean, that's basically what I was drinking. So, when you get to that point where you can have that inner peace, where you can, and contentment, where you can be Mm -hmm. with you, I mean, high five, because that's pretty awesome.
0: All right, Heather, if you've listened to the show, this is where, I mean, we're already talking about the positives, but usually I have this shift where, you know, we talk about our story, we talk about how we removed it. And now we talk about all the good stuff we're experiencing to give Mm -hmm. people hope, you know, and show them what's on the other side. So if you don't mind, what were some of the benefits that you started noticing right away. It's okay. If right away, if it was hard, but were there things that really stood out like, Oh my gosh, my sleep quality, or, you know, it actually feels good waking up and feeling good. What, what were some of those benefits?
1: Yes, definitely. This growing relationship with myself. Um, I couldn't sleep without drinking before. So I would like call it a nightcap. Cause again, I thought that sounded sophisticated. If you, a little something <laughs> to put you out, but, um, I started meditation. I actually started meditation while I was still drinking. I would put my headphones in and probably pass out to it, but I credit that a lot for my change over time. So, um, also I would do this like routine at night instead of like just passing out or falling asleep or whatever, um, where I would, like have like a foot lotion and do like a foot massage and get my essential oils and prepare myself to sleep, have this like Mm. evening wind down ritual because I really couldn't sleep because I was too amped up and I felt like I needed a drink to knock me out. And I didn't want to be laying there with my thoughts. Right. Mm. So this essential oil or foot massage, and then meditation, providing myself comfort, learning how to comfort myself, both at bedtime and at any time of the day, Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that bedtime routine started to be really sweet and I was able to sleep without drinking and my sleep was much better waking up and remembering the night before. I mean, mm-hmm. I sometimes as a drinker, I go to bed and I couldn't be sure what uh, the end of the night was a little foggy for me, mm-hmm. let's just say, and I might wake up like, is anybody mad at me? Right. I mean, all of our biggest fears, right? Somebody's, sure. mad at me. what did I do? Or somebody's mad at me and I mm-hmm. don't know why. And that's how I woke up most days. So how mm-hmm. could I expect myself to have had a wonderful day when I already woke up by punching myself in the face, basically worried. Yeah. 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 So, so, um, yeah, sleep was better. And just the, again, even if it wasn't things I was gaining immediately, it was like the absence of some of that anxiety and some of that guilt and shame. Um, I just started to believe in myself mm-hmm. and I could see it. So I started to take risks and challenges and adventures and things that I hadn't before. I started to set boundaries, necessary Mm -hmm. boundaries, and that felt good. I started to prioritize myself and that felt good. And then I started letting myself do the things I really want to do, which included like going to Africa, my dream trip, Mm -hmm. but it also included doing jigsaw puzzles on the dining room table, you know, reconnecting Mm -hmm. with a past self. So it was, it was that first year was like, Complete exploration of finding myself, learning myself, uh, Mm -hmm. reconnecting with who I had been and um, who I was becoming.
0: So beautiful. So beautiful. And kind of like what you said in the beginning, just like trusting yourself and keeping promises. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful thing when you can get to a point where you're not waking up. Asking those questions of what happened last night, what did I do? You know, oh, did I say the wrong thing? Did I send that text?
1: Mm-hmm. But you're waking
0: up and you're trusting yourself. Mm-hmm. No, I'm good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that whole nighttime routine just sounded so therapeutic. You know that routine and being able to go to sleep and, like you said, lay your head on that pillow, being proud, mm-hmm. proud of yourself.
1: It was everything, and it, it still is. Mm. It's still everything.
0: Okay. Well, I want to know what you're doing right now. Tell us about ditch the drink. Tell us about you achieving. Did I see you did 75 hard? Yeah. I mean, these are big things. you know that we would never tackle when we were drinking. Right. So tell me what is going on right now in your life.
1: Yeah. So I started ditch the drink, um, because after I got, got one year sober, I was unemployed. I couldn't, I, I had been in the corporate world. Um, I was in, human resources and sales for most of my life. And I was usually the the only female on all my teams and drinking was typically felt like part of the job. So, um, I was job searching and I was a year sober and I was interviewing and applying for all these jobs that I was qualified for. They were, I was going to get offers and they were the same jobs that I had while I was drinking and miserable. And so I just felt like I could not go back to that. Mm -hmm. I was a new person now. After I was one year sober, I was a brand new person and I wasn't going to go back to the same environment that kind of drove me down this um, unhappy path. And so um, I talked to my husband and I, I my degree actually from colleges in social work. So it was really a return. I wanted to help people. I wanted to help people through early sobriety. So it was mm-hmm. basically a return to my social work roots. And so I got a life coach certification and I invested in some software and I started a little email list, you know, me and my other email list, my other email list, my mom and my um, <laughs> husband and my one friend, you know, yes. what I mean? literally, you know, starts. like, okay, I'm <laughs> sending a newsletter and seven people are reading it and two of the seven are me.
0: You know I love I mean?
1: it. That's how you start. Right. Um, Anybody out there starting, I am with you. That's how we all start. That is how, um, you know, the best of the best started way back when. So Mm -hmm. yeah, so I put all my tools, everything I had learned, all the resources, like we talked about books, podcasts, articles, um, routines and rituals and worksheets and everything together into a class that I called Ditch the Drink. And it's a digital class. You can still get it on my website. Um, It's starting to date itself now. It's starting to get old, but I leave it there because I was so close to early sobriety that I think it's so genuine and authentic. And it makes me close to the person that's taking the course because yep. it was me just over a year sober. Now I'm like in my fifth year of sobriety. So it's, it's a, I'm a, I'm a little bit further away from that, you know, sure. early beginning stages. Anyways, I got certified as a life coach and then I got an opportunity to become certified as a recovery coach and a life coach through the NET Institute. Mm-hmm. It was through Divine Intervention. Um, it's actually the same training that the She Recovers coaches go through. It's part of that oh, same training. Fantastic. Yeah. So I got connected with them. And, anyways, then I started coaching people one on one. And now I've got group coaching. I'm looking at um, subscription models, other ways of helping people. And I, now I recruit coaches um, for this. Um, Organization. So if anyone's interested in becoming a coach or certified, yeah, I share all the information and pass them along. And then I've also been presenting to corporations and and HR specifically. I develop content. I've developed content for um, a couple different organizations, but one is for HR leaders and leaders of organizations so we can make a more um, sober, curious, and more um, like recovery friendly workplaces because I think Mm. it's so important there. And with my background, in that environment, it's just been like a wonderful way to mix my lived experience with my education and qualifications. So it's busy just drinking. That's amazing. Booming.
0: <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, oh.
1: Thank you.
0: Well, and I love that we're drawn to kind of what's familiar. I think as like sober women, when we feel like we've kind of okay, we've got, you know. We've got some days under our belt. We've got this, I don't know, I'm comfortable and I'm confident in my sobriety, but now I feel like we, uh, and I'm not talking for everyone, but a lot of us, we want to give back and we want to reach out to those that are in similar places that we were. So I love that you reached out, you know, your instinct was kind of your HR, you know, let's get into the companies and let's teach some of these individuals that you can be sober curious. You don't have to drink in the workplace. You don't have to go to this event and be. You know, totally smothered with the alcohol that you're going to drink. What was it, the first day and not the whole
1: weekend? (laughs) You know? (laughs) Right, yeah. And leaders don't know. um, A third of the population doesn't drink, Mm -hmm. some because of recovery, some because of health, some because of religion or Mm -hmm. just cultural taboo or um, health reasons. I mean, it can be any number of things. So when you are having events that surround around alcohol, you're really excluding a big part of your population. So sure. it can be a diversity and inclusion issue, really. And leaders don't know that you can just offer an equally attractive alcohol-free option. Totally, It's yeah. so easy and it, everybody's included. And it's, it, can, it doesn't have to be like a Capri Sun juice box, I always say, or like no. tap warm tap water. Yeah. You know, you can have a signature drink with or without alcohol. Absolutely. You can add Absolutely. the garnish and the salt and the, you know, whatever, and the pretty glass and everybody's an adult. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but not everybody needs to drink alcohol and at work. I mean, whatever people choose to do on their own time, whatever, but at work, there's a lot of danger in encouraging alcohol mm-hmm. in the culture and actually COVID. I mean, COVID this pandemic has shown that so much. I mean, that's what oh, obviously yeah. Lower mom squad was born out of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so was what I do. It's called I care with the international center for addiction awareness education, but yeah, these zoom happy hours drinking at three and wine mm-hmm. delivered to your doorstep and people were isolated. People were nervous and scared. The duties of women tripled I'm yeah. more than tripled. Oh my and gosh. They I don't being, even know if we
0: can put a number on it. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: there's <laughs> it's a lagging indicator, but it did just come out that more people under age 65 died from alcohol than COVID in the last couple of years. So, um, it's not helpful. And also there's this like focus on wellness and being well mm-hmm. and, um, a corporate wellness, but they're confused. If, I mean, you can't talk about wellness without talking talking about alcohol, in my opinion, and in my personal experience as well. Right. I mean, we both have been fitness people or Mm -hmm. whatever. I I ran as a drinker. I, you know, I, I did yoga as a drinker. Mm -hmm. All of that has improved since I've quit.
0: Absolutely. And all my
1: health indicators have improved too. I was on um, medicine for high blood pressure and I'm not anymore.
0: And you're not anymore.
1: Yeah. All my levels have changed. So there's like proof, not just me, my client's yeah. They come back and they're like, my cholesterol's down. I'm back to normal in all these ways because I've ditched the drink.
0: Isn't so that wild? It's real. And you just want to shout it from the rooftops too, right? Like mm-hmm. you guys, I just want to shake some of their shoulders. Like when you're ready, you're ready. But like, look at this, look at this person. Like these are some of the, mm-hmm. you know, wonderful benefits that we just don't talk about. We mm-hmm. do now, but we didn't know yeah. before, you know? Yeah. It's
1: the best thing you can do for yourself really if you're if you overdrink letting it go is the best thing you can do for yourself and for me and for you and for most of us it's also the first domino for me it's the first domino and for my clients because if we stay alcohol free we can do better at our jobs do better mm-hmm. in our relationships better in our fitness better in our nutrition all the things that make us feel good if we start drinking everything else falls off the rails
0: right totally yeah, yeah. And that's what I tell people. I mean, they'll be like, so are you done forever? And I was like, I don't use that word. I
1: mm-hmm. don't, I don't
0: say forever, but I'll tell you that literally every single area of my life is better when I'm not drinking every area. Didn't that surprise you? Yeah. It shocked yeah. me. Didn't you credit alcohol for all the good times? <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, a hundred percent. How could I possibly go to a concert and enjoy myself without a beer? Right. I'll tell you what, Some of my most favorite concerts have been my sober concerts because I hear the words. I'm not waiting in line in the bathroom, half the concert. I'm not spending $10 on a beer. I'm like, I know. And you didn't lose your credit card and then lose your seat and then lose your mind. (laughs) No, I didn't ask the people next to me to get up 45 times so I could get down the hall. I mean, no, like you're in the moment and you're enjoying it. And literally, like I said, every, every area is better. Yeah.
1: I agree a thousand percent. Um, I think that shows what a big deal alcohol was to both of us. I Mm -hmm. mean, that's what I say is I I didn't go to jail for drinking. I didn't, I didn't go to the hospital for drinking. I didn't have, um, you know, whatever, some of those signs, let's say I didn't have those signs, but the fact that I feel this freaking good without it tells me what a big deal it was to me back, how obsessed I was and how much it messed with me because to be free of it, it just, I feel better. And every area of my life has also improved.
0: And the fact that we never want to go back, you know,
1: I love what you said too. So a lot of my clients say that it comes up all the time and you don't have to say forever. Mm -hmm. Um, I love to say, yeah, I'll probably have like a drink when I'm 90. Um, just because it calms your brain down to give yourself a point if you want, um, (laughs) But some people, like I have had, a, I had a client who just um, made one year, made it to a year. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, now what? And she's decided to go another year. Mm-hmm. So you get to just move your carrot if you want. If you mm-hmm. count, you don't have to count. I mean, to each their own, you find what works for you. But you can also give yourself a chance at any point to reevaluate
0: mm-hmm.
1: and Truly, it's not that I can't drink. I have removed the desire to drink. I see it for what it was and I don't want it anymore. Every once in a while, when the wind blows a certain way and I hear a certain song and the sun is shining like this or that,
0: do I get a little
1: urge of like, ooh, I'd like to have a drink? I I do get that sometimes. A couple times a year probably I feel that and I think about it for a minute and then I keep thinking about it and I'm immediately like, this is why. This is why, this is why I don't drink Mm -hmm. because I'm already overthinking. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be thinking about this. Right. I have too many other things to think about. So no, I won't be having a drink now. Mm -mm. And here I go with my happy life.
0: And that's what I tell people too. I'm like, well, do you feel good when you're not drinking? Yeah. I feel amazing. Oh Mm -hmm. my gosh. I feel so good. I get so much done. I have all this extra time. I sleep well. Like I'm great at my job. I'm with my kids. I read to them every night, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe not every night more nights, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, what would that look like if you brought alcohol back into your life? Oh, you know, and, and just playing it forward. We always talk about play that tape forward. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. So, oh. escape, yeah,
1: so the hard part is the escape hatch. There's sure. not the easy escape hatch. And I think we want to break from feeling our feelings sometimes mm-hmm. and it changes our relationships and things, and that's uncomfortable too. And those are big risks. And I'll be honest, I've lost some very long time friendships
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that I never thought would lose. And I got sober and it's certainly changed. And that's hard to swallow. That is very, very painful. There is definitely pain. I mean, it's not just rainbows and unicorns sober. It's definitely more life still happens and there's tough stuff that you have Mm -hmm. to go through, but you have the resiliency to do it when you're not Mm -hmm. drinking.
0: And let's face it. I mean, there's probably, it's probably some brilliant quote by Glennon or someone, but you know, when we drink to escape the hard times, yeah. we miss the good ones too.
1: Mm-hmm. We miss yeah, a lot. So the capacity for joy is so much more. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And we
1: were wired for joy. I mean, a baby wakes up happy when they, our baby is just thrilled to find their own toes, right? Mm-hmm. That's how we are meant to be. And then somehow along the way, me when in my adolescence thought it was, I needed alcohol to find that alcohol to play and to find joy and to laugh and be uninhibited. But the truth is we were born to be free and uninhibited Mm -hmm. and you can't be happy when you're dependent on a substance. You just can't Can't. because your mind is obsessed with only getting, I mean, the thinking about drinking, right? How am I going to get it? How much am I going to have? How am I going to hide it? What am I going to do tomorrow? What am I going to get more? Who am I going to share it with? Is there enough? is this too much? How do I feel about this? It just hijacks your brain completely. So you can't feel happy and free.
0: So much good stuff, Heather. I just adore you. This is such a treat. Okay. I have two more questions and we'll wrap it up for you. Um, My first one is what is next for Ditch to Drink? Like looking forward, do you have anything else or in your life or any personal goals, anything? It doesn't have to be, it could be big or small. Like what's next?
1: Yeah. So I love that. So. Um, my first year of sobriety, I did all these things. Like I ran a half marathon and I went to Africa and I, whatever. And then my second year, I like read 50 books and started to, you know, ditch the drink grew. And in my third year, I think it was the pandemic. And I was the same, like, here's all my accomplishments. Here's all the things I did. Here's everything. That's awesome. And I have to tell you now, um, I just feel like, I'm trying to define that for myself. I'm trying to define success for myself and that includes what it's not. So like ditch the drink has opportunity of course, to grow and be and whatever. I am competitive. I want to be the best at everything. I'm an Enneagram (laughs) three, two, one, like in that order, like I want to achieve and I want to help and I want to be perfect. Um, so I am, I'm launching things like group coaching, I'm launching, and I've got things that I'm new things that I'm launching. And I'm also adding in the corporate stuff and the presenting and the content creation. So I'll continue to grow in that way. But I want to be really mindful. Mm -hmm. I want to be really mindful as I do that. Because at the end of the day, I started this to to help others, which of course helps ourselves, we do all Mm -hmm. these things, because it helps us. And so it's moving away from defining success by those accomplishments or by numbers of followers or numbers of growth or even playing that game. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And it's not growing. It's not dollar signs. It's not like that. I want to continue to be able to do meaningful work and take the best care of myself. And so I don't want to beat myself into the ground doing it. And I'm a model for my clients, of course, for Mm -hmm. my children, of course, And I mean, I love what I do because it's flexible. I'm my own boss now. So I've had award ceremonies for both my kids this week and I can be there in the middle of the day whenever I want. I've got tons of, I'm doing lots of hiking. I've got, um, I'm going actually next weekend with a group of sober people. Some I've most, I've never met to Sedona hiking. I'm climbing an actual mountain in June in Colorado for the first time. So there's that, like the literal mountain climbing, (laughs) um, and things of joy. And in ditch the drink, I don't know, we'll see, but I want to be, proceed with caution with everything and stay in check with myself all the time. And it's less about accomplishments and more about taking good care of myself and how I feel.
0: Yeah. Wow. I think we can all take a little piece of that and Mm -hmm. put it in our back pocket. What a great reminder that sometimes your goals can be a goal of, of kind of just mindfulness, like you said. And nothing, (laughs) you know?
1: Yeah. So I think like last year I read 47 or 48 books. And so my husband's like, obviously this year you're going to read 50, right? I mean, that would be, and I'm like, it doesn't have to be more. I want to read. The goal is to read books that I really enjoy. Yeah. The goal would be if I'm not enjoying this book, probably to put it down faster instead of making myself more (laughs) of it or whatever. So it doesn't have to be more. Exactly. It can put me finding contentment with where you're at. I knew we
0: were a lot alike. And I related to that because I had one year where I was like, I'm going to run 10 half marathons this year. This is it. And do you know what I did the next year? I don't think I ran one. Like I hit my goal (laughs) that first year and then it was like, Mm -hmm. okay. You know, I had friends. Okay. What's this year? Are you going to do more? Like are you going for 15? I'm like, no, I think I'm done (laughs) because we also need to remember to enjoy it. Why are you reading the book? Why are you running the miles? Like make sure mm-hmm. that it's something you want to do. So it's not a punishment, right? <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. So that's what I think about ditch the to drink too, because I don't want to burn out mm-hmm. as a business owner and you most do in their first five years. I don't want to, and I don't want to beat myself into the ground doing it. And I don't think that would be doing good service to others. So no. I want to stay aligned with me. And for me, it's okay for ditch the drink to be like a little boutique. Versus the biggest yeah. corporation, and I don't um, need employees, you know what I mean, <laughs> or Same. anything like that. So there's, I've got limits to what to what I want and where I want it to go, and it's okay for me to be in this little corner of the universe doing my little, you know, important work. Without that's exactly how I feel. Helping more,
0: if I have one person listen, then that's one person that needed to push play. You know, mm-hmm. like it's such a good reminder that the right people will be attracted to the right people. Like, right. It's not a numbers game.
1: Yeah. And either way today, you and I got to connect. So it helped know, you, it helped it's a you. win. So that could be enough. Just that. <laughs> totally.
0: Okay. I got one last thing on my list and one of my favorite pieces. So to the one or many people listening and feeling inspired to make a change, what advice would you give them?
1: Mm. Action, action, action. Motivation follows Action. Do not wait until you're ready, you will never be ready. Do it anyways. And uh, fear of failure is you don't need that when you're getting sober, just do it. Do it clumsy, do it awful, do it, I mean, do it again and do it again. It's not the trying that does it, it's the trying again that does it. So don't wait for your ready. Motivation just always follows action. So do the thing. Schedule that complimentary call with me. Sign up for sober Mom Squad. Whatever it is, find a group, find a coach, find a community, find somebody, find somebody who has what you want, who's living the life that you admire, and ask them for help. Mm-hmm. You have to ask for help. And for all of us perfectionists, people, women that have it all together in every area of our life, we don't know how to do that. And ask for help and add in more support and do it before you're ready. And do it when you know you're not going to be good at it. Do it and be terrible at it and do it anyways. And just keep doing it.
0: I love it. Oh, Heather, thank you so much. I appreciate you just taking the time and everything you had to say. I mean, so valuable and so beautiful. And I appreciate you.
1: I'm glad to be Sober Sisters with you. Like we said, we've kind of watched each other grow from the beginning. And to anyone listening, good job. Good job just for listening, for being curious. and Learning about yourself and and learning about um, the silver life, and you and I can attest you will you will never regret it. So never. if you're on that path, stay there, keep going, and trust your
0: gut. Trust mm-hmm. your gut. You push play for a reason. You're still listening for a reason. So just don't drink today and see what happens. Right? Sounds good to me. All right, Heather. I'm gonna keep your or I'm gonna have all of your information in the show notes for people that want to reach out to you and. Um, We just appreciate you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Amazing. Thanks, Jess. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, you can head over to decidedlydry.com. If you enjoy the show, the best way to support it is to subscribe and to leave an awesome rating or review over on Apple podcasts. It's sure been a treat spending this time with you. And just remember, if the only thing you did today was stay sober, you are winning. I'll see you next time.